gentlemen, good morning, welcome back, and thanks for joining us on another beautiful Thursday morning. You know, at some point in last week's conversation, the topic of the Royal Rumble came up, and I gave my opinion that when it came to Roman Reigns' title defense, that his matches were getting a little too predictable for my liking. That it's easy to see at some point in the match, the bloodline is going to interfere on his behalf, allowing him to escape with a cheap victory to hold on to his title. And I felt that maybe, just maybe, it was diminishing his role as a dominant champion. But as the week went on, I started to think, if Roman's a heel champion, maybe that's exactly how it's supposed to go. Maybe he's supposed to do whatever it takes to keep his belt, by hook or by crook. People interfering on his behalf and allowing him to retain that title and carry on his reign as a heel champion. And if that's the case, well then maybe, just maybe, Roman is one of the best to ever do it. So it made my brain go, well, who is the greatest heel champion of all time? And not only who is it, but why is it? Is it the length of their title reign, which WWE is telling us with our current champion is the measuring stick? If it's not the length, is it the amount of title defenses within that reign? Or is it how they capture the title and how they keep it that matters? Or maybe it's something you can't even measure. Maybe it's the way they make you feel. How they get that emotion out of you. In your opinion, who was the greatest heel champion of all time? And what made them the greatest in your eyes? And it doesn't have to be the world champion. Maybe your greatest heel champion held the IC belt. Maybe it's a tag champion. But we want to know who it is and why it is. Because the fact is, if the profession of wrestling is represented by a dining room table, somewhere at that table sits the greatest heel champion of all time. And today, we acknowledge him. On this episode of 80s Wrestling the Podcast, my name is Jumping Jay, and as always, I sit across from the table from a man who has never been a heel a day in his life, the perennial babyface, the con father, Mr. Tommy Fierro. Tommy, good morning, brother. What is going on? Good morning. First off, let me say that I think you're in the wrong line of work, Jay. I really, I'm, 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 I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. I was just sitting there listening to you talking. You are such a good talker. You had me intrigued so much by what you were just saying that I'm super excited now to talk about today's episode. So, yes, good morning. Welcome to another edition of 80s Wrestling, the podcast. It is going to be a real fun one today. We are talking the greatest hail champions. Uh, you know, we're, we're talking about it. it is an 80s wrestling podcast, but again, we've been lately, we've been, uh, we've been talking about current stuff, stuff that's not from the 80s, so it's an open topic, open conversation. What I'd like to do, Jay, real quick, uh, before we start taking calls, is I'd like to dive into what you just said, and, and, and right now the current Hail champion is Roman Reigns, and I think that that's a nice place to start today, because we have been talking about the bloodline and Roman and that situation over the last few months here on the podcast, and a ton of you know, uh, news and gossip and people wondering whether or not Cody Rhodes is going to wrestle against Roman at WrestleMania or if it's going to be The Rock that's doing it. Uh, tons of, tons of, tons of uh, news breaking since last week's episode of the podcast here. Uh, this obviously happened last week on 
Friday's SmackDown, Cody was going to come out to, you know, uh, say what he was going to do when he comes out and confronts Roman and then tells Roman that you know, he's coming after that title, but not at WrestleMania. This is what he said last Friday, but he said someone is, and then the Rock's music hits, Rock comes out, um, you know, Rock embraces Cody, Cody leaves, Rock and Roman face off, not a word spoken, just staring at each other, and the show goes off the air. And then all night Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday leading up into Raw, wrestling fans were going absolutely bonkers on social media, wondering why Rock was going ahead of Cody. And, I mean, I'm this is all news by this point, so everyone knows basically what has been said online over the last week. But I, I, I want to do a full circle on this because Roman is that heel champion, right? So I believe Roman is so good at his job, and, and so is Cody, by the way. Cody is absolutely fantastic, fantastic. But what I want to say is, like, people are so into this, Cody, you know, finishing his story, because not only because of who Cody is and how great Cody is and who's Cody's dad is and that whole story and that whole legacy, but it's also because he's chasing someone that the fans care about, and that's Roman, who is a heel. And in modern era, it hasn't been, you know, he's had that title longer than anyone in, in modern history, right? So, you know, coming up is Hulk Hogan's, uh, numbers, right? So I'm, I'm not sure exactly what the date is on that, but I believe I read something. Uh, it wasn't until September. I, I could be wrong. Uh, so here's, here's a train of thought. So if it was supposed to be Cody against uh, Roman all along is why you know we saw when Royal Rumble went off the air, Cody won the Rumble. Cody's pointing up to Roman and the show goes off the air with Roman and Cody looking at each other. You know, Roman selling the fact that Cody just won the Rumble. Now, at that point, if it was a situation where we don't know who Cody was going to pick yet, I believe that Cody should have, I mean, uh, Cody should have pointed up, and then the camera pans back and forth between Seth and Seth and Roman. They're both selling the fact that Cody won, and and, and, and then it goes off the air, who's Cody going to choose, right? But it was just on Roman. So us as wrestling fans, Jay, we are programmed to believe whoever wins WrestleMania goes on the main event WrestleMania for the title. And if the winner of the Royal Rumble is pointing up and Roman Reigns is the one that the camera is showing to him, he's selling it and it goes off the air, you, you think that's the match. So wrestling fans, especially Cody fans, you know, there was rumors rumbling the weeks leading up to the Royal Rumble that, you know, The Rock was going to come back and it was going to be Rock and Roman, uh, Rock and Roman at WrestleMania. And then I think when uh, when Cody finally won the Rumble, there was a huge sigh of relief because, okay, we are going to get Cody and Roman. And then they did what they did. So let me, let me say, before everyone gets outraged and crazy, let's see how it pans out tonight because tonight is actually the WrestleMania press conference. So I believe that this is all one unbelievably told, well-put-together storyline that no one saw coming. Because now the fans 
want to see Cody go after that title even more. So what I would do in this fantasy booking, and I was actually just on uh, the Bob Culture podcast last night, and I gave the same scenario. Uh, I'll give it here in case anyone that doesn't listen to that. And, and, and please, you type in Bob Culture pod, uh, podcast. I'm, I'm, uh, it was just dropped last night. I'm this week's uh, guest on there. We talk about 80s wrestling con, 90s wrestling con, masters of your memories. This, what I'm talking about right now, the Cody Rock thing, uh, and more. So what I want to say is that um, if, if I was fantasy booking for armchair booker for a second, what I would do is I would have tonight at the press conference, you're going to have Rock to sign that contract, right? And right when he's about to sign it, just when he's about to sign it, he stops, he looks at Cody and says, I can't do this, man. I appreciate you stepping aside for me to finish my family business, but there could be another time for that. This is about you. I'm not blind. I'm not deaf. I hear the fans. I see what they're writing. It's your time, Cody. So when Rock gives that uh he gives that back to Cody. It's like it, it builds up Cody even more because now the Rock's behind Cody. And now Rock can say, listen, not only are you taking this match, but I saw WrestleMania last year, and I know what happened with the bloodline. I'm going to make sure that doesn't happen because at WrestleMania, I'm going to be the special guest referee, and it's going to be called right down the middle. So now the people are like, fuck, this is awesome. Now Rock's the, now, now Rock's the referee. That it makes the match even bigger, right? So then at the end of the match at WrestleMania – you have the rock turn on Cody and goes with the bloodline. And then Cody has to wait another WrestleMania to get that title, chase it another year. That way uh, Roman gets his uh, record against uh, beating Hulk Hogan's record, which I believe, and I could be wrong, is, is September-ish. Uh, Cody can go on to win the Royal Rumble the first time ever to win it three years in a row. So that would cement his legacy there. And then next year, he wins the title at WrestleMania. I know it's a long time, but we got through one year, right? So people were freaking out last year, and we made it through it. And if he can do it, if they can figure out, and, and it seems like the bloodline, that whole storyline is so creative enough to put layers on layers on layers, and the rock turning on Cody when no person in the entire world saw it coming would add another layer to that. To that. So that's what I would do. Listen, man, you're, you're, I, I think – I, I like what you're laying down because I am one of those wrestling fans that when this kind of took place, my mind immediately went to, okay, CM Punk got hurt. The Vince McMahon stuff came out. The rock thinks he needs to save WrestleMania. So the rock is inserting himself somewhere where a lot of fans don't believe he belongs. And you want to talk about heel champions. The rock's got the moniker, the people's champion, but right now, he's a heel in a lot of people's eyes. You know, in the Attitude Era, we had the authority inserting themselves into storylines in the fictional world of wrestling. Now we have a member of the board of TKO in Dwayne Johnson actually inserting himself seemingly into the main event of WrestleMania. And so if he wants to be the people's champion, I think right now that's a, that's a heel champion in my eyes. So if, you, if they can turn this around to make wrestling fans happy and to keep Cody Rhodes' story going. I hope they do it, Tommy. I hope someone's listening Listen, to you. Real, real quick, before we jump to the first poll, I just want to, real quick, you just said about if they should switch it. If this is not, if this wasn't part of the plan to begin with, that they really thought that, you know, and, and listen, don't get me wrong for a second. Rock and Roman is a much bigger marquee 
mainstream coverage match than Cody against Roman. There's no no question about it. I'm not I'm not second guessing that. I'm sure you're not. I'm sure the majority of the people on hold right now are not going to uh, say that you know Cody against Roman is a bigger match than uh, Roman against The Rock. However, and it's a big however. Like I said, wrestling fans were programmed to know that whoever wins the Royal Rumble goes on to main event WrestleMania for the title. And they showed those guys interacting back and forth with each other when uh, Royal Rumble went off the air. So unless, you know, it, unless on that, that Monday morning, the, the Monday morning after the Royal Rumble, uh, they, they decided to go with Rock and Roman instead. And they thought, they thought that that match would be so big that it would overshadow Cody going to Seth. Like, again, I, I still think it was all one unbelievably well-put-together, orchestrated plan and idea uh, to, one, make the fans care more about Cody getting that title match at WrestleMania, and, two, uh, definitely to take some of the negative mainstream attention off of uh, – because you hear wrestling right now or WWE, just, you think of mm-hmm. the stuff that's going on with Vince McMahon, especially in the WWE, so – it was a great avenue to take away, you know, some of that talk for the weekend on this and, and put it on there. But the problem is, is that if, if that was the plan and, and they really weren't going to go that route, the, the, the fans are so emotionally connected to Cody right now in this story. And like you said, uh, there's a, you know, in 2024, you know, there's probably a large portion of fans while they love, absolutely love the rock they know deep down inside that Cody's busted his ass for the last year. Mm-hmm. And, and not only that, but here's, here's, the, here's the most important part. And then we'll go to the first quote. Because this, we're, we're really off topic. We're really not because we're talking about Roman as the Hill champion. Uh, the, 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 big, the big thing is, is that when Cody won the Rumble and you know, pointed to, to Roman and Roman was selling it, and then at that point everybody thought that was the WrestleMania main event, to, to to little kids, Jay, and this is, and you you can attest to this because you have you have children that are young. Uh, to to the kids that are you know eight years old, ten years old, twelve years old that that follow wrestling, Cody Rhodes is their rock. You know what I'm saying? The rock, that that is the rock to them. I don't mean the character. I mean that larger than life persona of this generation. Children look at Cody as their rock. And I think that when they announced that, I think the kids got disappointed, and therefore mm-hmm. the parents got disappointed, and you don't want to disappoint someone's kids, right? So I, I think I think that it's one uh, well-put-together, planned-out, thought-out thing that you'll see play out tonight on the press conference. If not, if by some reason it is Rock and Roman at WrestleMania, I, if I was a betting man, I would say it's not going to be. But if there, if it is, you talk about a hill champion. You're going to see those two guys, unfortunately, and, and it it sucks because they are two of the best the business has ever produced. Right? They will get booed out of that building, especially mm-hmm. in Philadelphia, way worse than Brock Lesnar and Goldberg can ever mm-hmm. imagine. So that's what I'm worried about. So I hope it is an angle. I really do. I hope. I hope. It is too, because right now, to me, it feels reactionary, and it feels like they're putting the rock in there to try to get more eyes on WrestleMania and get over the Vince McMahon hump. But if you're a wrestling fan, that doesn't, that doesn't feel good. You know, we have direct TV here at the house and we've had it for years. And every once in a while, I'll get a a postcard in my mailbox with a great new rate for first time customers. My reaction is 
Well, what about the guy that's been sending you a check every month, paying his bill every month? And that's what this feels like. If you're a diehard wrestling fan, you're invested in Cody Rhodes, and now they're going to substitute in The Rock for the, for the new eyes on the product. Well, what about the people that have been following along and got, got invested? We feel exactly. so changed. Exactly. So I, I hope you're exactly. right. I hope they, they swerve it, us all and we get what we want. And, and, and with the Super Bowl, and with the Super Bowl this Sunday, you, you can do this as a scenario, right? So you have a quarterback that plays the entire NFL season, right? They, they make the playoffs. That quarterback wins all the playoff games, and now the quarterback has taken his team to the Super Bowl. The Super Bowl is this Sunday. Quarterback says, you know what? This isn't this. You know, I, I want to be in that Super Bowl. And then he points to the guy that was the quarterback of the team 20 years ago. But you, I know that – and then the quarterback in the other team is the old quarterback's cousin. I know there's un, unfinished family business here. So I'm going to step aside the Super Bowl and bring you back so you could play against your cousin because there's unsettled – you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. it, it's far-fetched, but if that – that's what I'm saying. I, I think it has to be a well-put-together thought-out idea because if not, it just it doesn't make any sense. You know, the, the great thing about it is it has the world talking about it. Every, every wrestling-related show this week has been about this very topic, and so yeah. – I mean, they're getting eyes on their product one way or another, and we have a great heel champion right now. But is he the best of all time, Tommy? That's the conversation we're having today. So we're going to jump into the call lines. I appreciate the tangent, though, because the the Rock situation is on my mind like it is on every wrestling fan's mind, and so I'm glad we got to at least talk about it and address it a little bit at the start of this show. But let's jump into the slam line here. We're talking greatest heel champions of all time up first, all the way from Chico, California. He's not a heel. He's a baby face. It's Brian. Brian, good morning, sir. Welcome back to the show. Good morning, Jay, and good morning, Tommy. And I want to echo what Tommy said and just uh, tell Jay what a phenomenal job he did to open up the show. I think that might be your oh, your you best guys. opening. I oh. think that's the best opening you've had all uh, all uh, two and a half, three and a half years that you guys been doing this. Well, um, thank you, sir. I but, appreciate uh, that. Hey, definitely. And, uh, and yeah, I will say that uh, first off, um, shout outs on this day in history to uh, Fred Blassie, who would have been 106 years old, and Jim Neidhart, who would have been 69 years old. A couple of 80s, uh, somewhat 80s guys um, in in uh, wrestling history. And and I'll say that uh, I think the most influential heel champ would have to be Superstar Billy Graham. The uh, my own personal favorite who won the Intercontinental title 36 years ago today, um, 38 years ago today, I should say, is the, ran, uh, the the Macho Man Randy Savage. That was probably my favorite heel champion to watch. Um, my favorite of all time, and the guy that I feel Roman uh, is most styled after, uh, would be Ric Flair. So I think the greatest of all time is Ric Flair. Uh, the amount of title defenses going to every territory wrestling an hour uh, those those performances and the amount of them were amazing. The amount of years he had, he didn't hold the belt consecutively for as many days as uh, you know others have done it. But with all the different title reigns, the amount of time and the uh, the amount of matches, I'd put Ric Flair at the top of my list. And then, um, as Tommy was saying, in, in the world of football, it'd be kind of like if uh, if if Brock Purdy said, you know what? Tom Brady's been studying the playbook all year. They were going to sign him if they could last year. 
Um, I'm going to step aside and let Tom Brady take over for the Super Bowl because I know he's done it before, and I want my teammates to uh, have Tom Brady go ahead and lead the way. He grew up a 49er fan. I think it would be a real sweet story. So uh, I would also say that uh, the guy I would most like to uh, to go in, you know, the guy that I've, uh, is, is near the top of the list, uh, another one of these clean-cut guys that never ate marijuana, kind of like Bob Backlund in the 90s, is uh, Brock Purdy. So I'm hoping he can become a, a heel champ in the world of the NFL and lead the 49ers to victory on Sunday. So I'll say go Niners. Great show. Great opening. Thanks for letting me uh, get some input on there. And I like your scenarios, Tommy. Um, I've heard some guys say that they would like to see somebody say, you know what, let's have those two main events on night one of WrestleMania. And then the winner of uh, Seth and Cody can face the winner of The Rock and Roman on night two. And that could get you, you know, the, uh, the Roman-Cody match that you want. But then you're, you're counting on those two guys not, get injured, not getting injured on night one, which is a little bit of a gamble for your biggest uh, match of the year. So I'd, I'd say I think Tommy's probably more correct in, uh, in how they could do this. And if, if they did pull off that storyline of having this plan all along, um, what a great distraction and discussion and attention brought to it. Um, really smart booking if it's, uh, if it's how Tommy thinks it might be, where maybe they've been planning for Roman to step aside and let Cody, Cody step back in. So um, awesome stuff, you guys. Thanks so much for having me on again this week. Hey, thank you, Brian. Hey, l- listen, he brought up the one man that I knew was going to get brought up at the start of the conversation, Ric Flair. Okay, And this is classic length of reign versus defenses in a reign. Okay, so I did a little bit of homework on Mr. Flair compared to Roman Reigns. So right now, Roman Reigns sits at about 1,257 days as champion. Okay, the longest single reign that Ric Flair ever had was the fourth time he won the NWA Heavyweight Championship, and he held that for 793 consecutive days. In that 793-day reign, He defended the title 440 times. That is more than every other day. Roman Reigns, in his nearly 1,300 days as champion, the closest average I can get is it's been under 50 title defenses. He only defended the title four times in 2023. So you're talking about Ric Flair defending it every other day to Roman Reigns defending it whenever? Like, to me, I get the length of days is impressive, but if you're not defending that title, then you're just what? Making sure it doesn't collect yeah. dust sitting on your shelf? Here's the thing, though. Let's, let's play devil's advocate for a second. So, uh, one, the wrestling business is structured a lot different now than it was back then. Back then, those guys were literally on the road, you know, five, six days a week, right? Sometimes two shows on the weekends, where now – you know, it's Raw, SmackDown, and on the weekend, they tour. And, and Roman, right now, due to his, you know, his, you know, physical situation, he, he's not on the road uh, to doing the house shows. Maybe real special events here and there. But, I mean, his, his total, you know, his, his health situation and his, you know, his, his scenario is way different than Ric Flair's. So, it, it wouldn't be fair to say that. However, I will say that, you know, Ric Flair might very well be the greatest, He'll champion them all time just based off of 
not only the, the amount of titles he's held, how big of a star he is, how he can walk down the street, and probably 95% of the population will know who he is, even if they're not a wrestling fan. I would say you know, those amount of title defenses in that 700-and-something span day is extremely, extremely impressive. I did not know that until you just said that this morning. He might very well be the, the greatest tail champion of all time. You know, and, and, and I understand that this all changes as time goes on. We are of that age, Tommy, where we're going to start thinking the guys we grew up watching were the best, no matter what statistics get broken, you know, no, how many, no matter how many times Babe Ruth's home run record gets surpassed by somebody, everybody still kind of holds Babe Ruth as he's the greatest of all time. And so in our eyes, Ric Flair may very well be the greatest heel champion of all time for all time. Statistically, I mean, are we comparing apples to oranges? Like you're saying, it was a different time in the profession. You know, Roman's got some serious health stuff in his past. We hope he stays healthy. So, yeah, are we comparing apples to oranges, or are we just going off a of feel? I don't know. I mean, it's wrestling, so we can kind of go with whatever we want, I guess. Yeah, absolutely, Let's, man. Absolutely. Yeah. Before, we, before we jump into the, the next call, just real quick, I never get a chance to shout out the ISPW Wrestling TikTok page. If you guys are on TikTok, uh, head over and put in ISPW Wrestling. My buddy Justin does a fantastic job. On that page, shout out to you, Justin. I know you're listening right now. And, uh, yes, if you're on TikTok, hit us up, ISPW Wrestling. And actually, ISPW Wrestling on all social media, Facebook, Twitter, I'm sorry, X, and uh, Instagram as well. You know, we'll take the next caller, but then I want to come back to this because as a booker, as a promoter, you've had heel champions hold titles in your company. And so I, I'm curious about how you – book a heel champion because there's nuances to it you can't have them clean beat every baby face in the company because then your baby faces have no you know nothing going behind them so you kind of have to keep your baby faces hot while keeping your heel champion over and so i get the roman reigns finish i get sometimes you have to cheat to win rick flair one of the greatest of all times you, you hang on to that belt by the skin of your teeth in every single match you make the baby faces look good, but at the end of the day, you're still walking out of the arena with the gold. And so there's, there's a special way to book and promote a heel champion. I want to get into that conversation, uh, and we will. But up first is uh, Matt from Boston. Matt, thank you for listening. Thank you for hanging on the, the, the wait line there. Welcome to the heel champion conversation. Good morning, gentlemen. How are we doing today? Good morning. Fantastic, brother. Awesome. Awesome. So... First off, I feel like I feel like there's some serious mind melding going on today because everything I had in my head for this topic and then the the Roman topic is already being slung around, which is amazing. Which means we're all we're all aligned and on the same page. Um, because I thought Tommy, you nailed it um, with your recap um, earlier. If this if this is you know not some big angle they've been producing, then I think they sort of kind of stepped in it. And they do what they think is right. But I think the Rocky sucks chance, you know, might be a little bit of an eye opener and they may have to pivot. And, I, you know, one of my principles in business is I follow any plan that can't change is a bad plan. So, mm. you know, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if they, you know, take the take the response and everything in the past week or two and say, you know what, 
maybe we need to pivot. And what better time to have an ultimate babyface rock than, than literally right now, right? I mean, what better time and what better opportunity to have a new face of the company and have it be that guy? So um, he could do the right thing and step out of the way and however they orchestrate it. Like you, Tommy, like you said, that was a, a pretty good um, synopsis of how you think it could go. Um, I, I just think it makes too much sense. So we'll see. Um, the first name that came to mind, greatest field champion, already said, obviously, I think it's Ric Flair. And I was a, I was a WWF guy. You know, growing up in the Northeast, I barely even was aware of NWA, WCW, honestly, anything else, because uh, it was always Superstars, Challenge. Um, and then I stumbled upon, you know, WTBS at some point. But I think for Flair, it's, it's certainly, you know, Jay, you brought up the, the title defenses, which is amazing, and the, the amount of reigns and the, uh, runs he had with the belt. But also, to me, I think what made him the greatest heel champion was literally his persona and the things he would say and um, the references to Space Mountain and everything he did. I think if you take his feud with Ricky Steamboat in the late 80s, it, it sort of encapsulates everything about his, his persona. And Ricky was the exact 180 degrees from that. And, and, I, and I can still remember the, the back and forth promo where Ricky's like, you're into materialistic things and you're into, you know, this and that. And I'm, I'm the opposite. And I just think uh, that's, that's the greatest heel character, one of the greatest heel characters of all time. So Ric Flair was the obvious choice. Um, and then I would toss in a few kind of, you know, personal favorites. I would, I would say that a lot of the IC champions, right, with Hogan being the babyface mm-hmm. um, champ, the IC champ was often a heel for obvious reasons. I think Mr. Perfect was a great heel champion. Um, babyface Brian mentioned another great one in Macho Man. His, mm-hmm. he was, he's probably the greatest heel IC champ. Maybe, maybe HBK. Um, I think they all make, uh, they, they all have a, a, you know, a claim at that, at that title. And then I'd put in the Hart Foundation when they when they had their first tag team run, the shenanigans with Danny Davis and Jimmy Hart hitting people with the megaphones. I mean, they were stealing wins left and right. I don't know that they ever got a clean finish. Um, and then I'll, end, I'll I'll end on a modern one. Um, and this may surprise you, may not, but I I really I really like the MJF run. I I just think his character is money. I think he's just dynamic on the microphone. Um, I just I dig his whole personality uh, and the way he carries himself. It's sort of a mix of rock and flair and a lot of other influences, but he pulls it off so well. It's honestly what got me, you know, watching AEW every week when he was when he was having that run. You know, I drop in and out every now and then, but when when he got hot, it's like I, I can't turn away. I gotta watch this. I gotta watch this guy, which is honestly literally the point. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that that would be the, the, those would be my uh, my submissions. What do you guys think? Yeah, I love everybody you said. Everybody you said, and and uh, a lot of them, they lived that gimmick outside of the ring. And I think maybe that was easier to do back in Flair's day. But like you said, there's some current guys that are heavily influenced by Ric Flair, heavily influenced by The Rock, and they seem to live that gimmick outside when you see them videos of them at signings and stuff. And so I think that helps with a heel champion persona that you see him as a heel on TV. And then if you see them at a signing, they kind of, you know, they understand with a wink and a nod, but they're still portraying that heel character. Um, So I think you're absolutely right. I would love to know, Matt, in your opinion, 
because you referenced the Hart Foundation's cheating to win. Flair is known as the dirtiest player in the game. What kind of finish do you look for in a heel champion? Do you expect that cheat to win, maybe get counted out to protect the belt back in the day, disqualification run-ins? Is that what you have come to expect and look for in a heel champion? Hmm, that's a great question. I, I think I think it's uh, the answer is multifaceted. Honestly, I think that yes, I've come to kind of expect it, especially in the golden era, for sure. Um, that was just you know a, a calling card of, of heel champions. Um, but you know, I, I think it I think it depends on on the person and the character and and the time. Um, you know, because as as years and decades move on. Um, you can't, you, you know, times change and you can't get away with some stuff that you used to be able to get away with. So I, I always think that the, the, um, the schmoz finish or whatever in the golden era, it was just the ultimate heat magnet, right? You, you, you then knew the babyface opponents was likely going to get another shot. There'd be a rematch. There'd be, there was more to come and it was all, you know, there was more storytelling, um, so, you know, I don't know that, that you know, the, the, the screw finish is, is a must-have to be the greatest heel champion, per se. Um, but I think in, in, the, in the right time, like the 80s, it certainly got you the most heat, which, you know, I think is, is part, of the, part of the formula for sure. Yeah, you, you made a good point about how if you, if you cheat to beat the baby face, you kind of leave life in the baby face because they live to fight another day. They'll come back and they'll try to get – uh, their win back because let's be honest if at last year's WrestleMania if Roman had beaten Cody clean it would have been the end of Cody's story you lose all that life in your baby face and so if you are looking to have the blow-off the comeback match you got to have some kind of finish that protects that baby face and I think if you're a heel champion that's kind of your your bread and butter you hang on to that belt. You tell everybody you're the best there's ever, there ever was, that you're the greatest champion. No one can, can get that belt off you, but then you have to cheat to keep it. Yeah, it's just that, that, that heat that you're talking about. That's how you get heat. Um, and so it's just interesting to me that it's, – it's interesting to me, to be honest, that it bothered me at Royal Rumble that Roman cheated to win because I knew he was going to cheat to win. It didn't sit well with me. But if we're talking heel champions, I guess that's an ingredient in the recipe that makes a heel champion what it is. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I think you, wow, you said something really, really interesting there because I think that's sort of what, you know, could, could be what was going on here is like, we could get another year out of this. Like, like literally it doesn't just have to be putting it off for one year when everyone was expected. We could put it off another year and get a whole nother year, you know, out of this. And maybe there was some of that going on, you know, who knows? Um, but uh, I'll let you get to some other callers. Thanks for taking my call, as always. Uh, Babyface Brian, go 49ers. Let's, let's bring this one home. Thanks, boys. Talk to you next week. There you go. Thank All you so right, much, man. Matt. We appreciate it, as always. Yeah, hey, great real, points real quick being before we jump to the next. Yes, absolutely. Before we, before we jump to the next call, I was just I was thinking to myself while you guys were talking about uh, the Rock thing, if, if it is a situation where, you know, he steps aside and, Kisses to Cody the last second, gigantic, huge babyface move, be more over than ever as a face, and he turns on Cody at WrestleMania. And it could be a situation where The Rock <clears throat> becomes, remember when Vince McMahon was the hill boss, and, you know, that dynamic between Vince McMahon and Steve Austin and how, you know, unbelievable 
that was. Imagine, uh, imagine uh, Rock, as you know, everyone knows that now Rock is part of the board of directors, and if he's a heel, and he just keeps fucking favoritism to his family, and then you know Cody chases that for another year. Imagine when Cody finally wins, what kind of reaction that would be. So I mean, it, it is another year does seem far away, but uh, the 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 bloodline has done such a fantastic job with their storyline that I have confidence in them that they they can they can do it for another year. Listen, I so my gut reaction, like we talked about at the start of the show, was I hate it. This angle with Cody mo- seemingly moving out of the way to make way for The Rock. I mean, as wrestling fans, we all love The Rock, right? He's he's one of us. He went on to Hollywood, became the biggest star. But this just feels gross having him come in and insert himself into a WrestleMania spot that he didn't earn. You know, Cody earned it, so his wrestling who fans said, were listen, upset. Who, who, who said that? Who said that he did that though? Listen, that's the wrestling that is fans what, around the world are just they're assuming because the two looked no, at no, each no. other that not one word was spoken to yes, get up with the conclusion that rock stealing. <laughs> clearly, they're leading but, us no, down no. that road. Okay, clearly they're leading us down that thought process. But yeah. here's the deal: the Absolutely. world of wrestling is full of curveballs, and as Abraham Lincoln said, everything you read on the internet is true. And so I read something this week that said. WWE is really pushing the we want Cody chance. They're handing out we want Cody signs at Monday Night Raw. And so maybe there is some grand master plan that somehow through all this, the we want Cody train is going to, you know, propel him to the next level of superstardom. I guess it's a waiting game because I just don't know, Tommy, but uh, I'll tell you what, I'm locked in. I'm excited. I'm locked in. I'm going to be watching. I'm going to be too. As I say, we're to watch tonight and find out for some crazy reason if they stick with Cody. I mean, I'm sorry. If they stick with Roman against The Rock, it's if they stick with that, next week's episode will be called Why WWE Why? We will discuss their decision <laughs> the entire episode next week here on the podcast. I think it's a well orchestrated, unbelievably told story that's going to propel that match and Cody to higher levels. We'll see uh, if, if the outcome is different tonight. I look forward to finding out. Uh, up next on the, on the slam line here, somebody who should know a thing or two about what it takes to be a great heel champion. It's time to talk with Toto with Tom. Tom, good morning, sir. Welcome to the conversation. So, what do you guys want to talk about? Nicely done. There you go. Yeah, I do. I think I am an aficionado on this topic tonight. And I'm basically just going to reiterate what everyone else has been saying. The only heel in the 80s and 90s and even the late 70s, the only heel that we should discuss is Ric Flair. But I'm just going to take Whoa. it a little bit deeper. I'm just going to take it a little bit deeper for you. As Toto with Tom will give you three reasons as to why. Obviously, one of the reasons was already mentioned by you, Jumping Jim. You said that he puts himself over as a character, and he did. Nobody, you know, lived the gimmick like Ric Flair. You know, the styling and profiling, $10,000 suits, limousine riding, jet flying, all-night partying. That was his character, and that was Ric Flair. So he put his character over. That was number one. Number two. And this is something that's lost in today. He put over the events. 
he put over the venues. Back then, when you did a promo, you basically were trying to market the show so fans would attend. Probably nobody in this industry who did a promo better than Ric Flair. When you watched him on your TV screen, it made you want to go to the ticket master and buy a ticket. It put asses in seats. That's what they meant by putting asses in seats. It was his ability to promote on TV with his verbiage to, to make you want to go to that event. And so he put the event over. He made every event he was a part of being special. And then lastly, the third thing he did, he put his opponent over. And how does he do that? He does that in the ring. He did that with his ability. He did that with his storytelling. There's always storytelling in pro wrestling, and there's two forms of it. There's the storytelling that we're talking about right now with The Rock and Cody and Roman. There's long-term storytelling. But to me, just as important is the storytelling in the ring. There has to be a story told. I don't want to see two guys get into the ring and just go through a bunch of motion and moves. And that's what we see a lot today. More wrestlers are interested in getting their spots over than telling a story. Or how about this, making the story make sense? Because nowadays, tease in a row and still kick out, whereas if back in the day of the 80s, you got a DDT on you, that was it. The match was over. So Flair made his opponent look good. He was able to tell a story in the ring so that next time you wanted to see him go down. And that's why it starts with him and it ends with him. I agree with that, man. Hey, real quick, my guy, Jan Tom, what, give us real quick, because, I mean, the, the majority of today's conversation we've been talking about the whole Rock Cody Roman situation. What is what is your take on it all, and, and what do you what do you think we can expect to see tonight? Um, yeah, I had a, I was a little shocked to say the least. I actually gave a, my own take before Thursday. I was uh, I, I thought that it should have been Cody and Rock the whole time, and um, I was under the impression that the only reason they didn't do this was because of the injury to CM Punk. Now I'm hearing it's other than that, that the decision was made prior to CM Punk being hurt. So if this is the direction they're going in, it, it hurts us at first, it's, all right? It's a knee-jerk reaction. Like, I had a knee-jerk reaction last year, Tommy, when I was at WrestleMania and Cody lost. I was pissed. But then as I thought about it, I looked at the long-term storytelling, and I was okay with it. I trusted their process. So I'm going to do it again. I had a knee-jerk response. I was upset originally when The Rock came in and took the spot away from Cody. But I'm going to trust pointed out. We still have a press conference tonight in Vegas. This is all part of the storyline. So I think they've accomplished two things here. They've taken the heat off Vince because The Rock has more heat than Vince right now, which is crazy to say, but he does. And they've built the storyline up so that Cody is now over more than ever. So you hit it right on the head. I love everything that you said, and I can't wait to watch it tonight. Awesome, man. Also, I want to say that I listened to you on the – it was revealing, entertaining, 
and something that everybody who listens to this podcast should tune into. If you want to know about 80s wrestling and all the events that Tommy Sierra is running, tune in to the Bob Culture Podcast. You can find it on any of your podcast providers like Spotify. Um, and there's actually, I'm sure, Tommy, you'll probably post today something on your social media of where people can listen to it. But it was great. And thank you, gentlemen. And have yourselves a great weekend. You too, buddy. Thank you, man. Thank you very much, Toto Tom, our resident heel champion himself. Yeah, I think when it comes to historic heel champions, I feel like there's Ric Flair and then there's everybody else. It's kind of like if you grew up in the era we grew up with basketball, there's Michael Jordan and there's everybody else, you know. And so we can talk about second place. I'm more interested in what makes a heel champion a good heel champion because it's not for everybody. Not everybody could hold that spot. And whether you think he's doing a great job or not, right now Roman Reigns is holding that spot. He's been holding it for over 1,250 days. And maybe there's no end in the near future, you know, in sight. But they're they're obviously building towards something what we've been building towards is this next call. It's time to go to the firehouse. It's time to talk with firefighter Brian. Brian, good morning. We are talking the greatest heel champions of all time. Who's your pick? Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Are you talking about the heel champions or are you talking about tonight's press conference? But, uh, um, so my, okay. My, uh, my, um, let me just ask you guys. Let me, I'm going to give my pick in a second. I just want to ask you guys, okay, because I was thinking about, you know, last week's show, and one question nobody brought up, and I want to get your take on this, with everything going on with Vince, and I know this is the least of anybody's worries regarding this, but it's a really interesting question. How does this affect Vince going into the WWE Hall of Fame? Because you can't have, at the end of the day, you can't have the WWE Hall of Fame without Vince McMahon. But with everything that's gone on, who knows? That just might happen. What do you guys think? Is it, is it, how does this affect Vince and the WWE? Again, the least of anybody's worries, but it's an interesting sure. question. Yeah, I'll, I'll, go, I'll go first. Uh, I think that Vince McMahon has about as I actually you know what I, I take it back. I think that I have a better chance of getting inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame, unfortunately, than uh Vince McMahon does. I, I think that uh they view it uh the same way they view the Chris Benoit situation, unfortunately. So I don't think that no matter you know, obviously WWE and this whole thing and us talking about it right now wouldn't probably be happening if it wasn't for him. But due to a less proven innocent, I, I doubt you're ever gonna you're ever gonna see or hear his name again. But I don't if think any, if, yeah. if if this ahead, didn't yeah. happen, if this if this scandal didn't happen, I don't think you would have seen Vince McMahon in the Hall of Fame in his lifetime. He doesn't like people bringing up his name at the Hall of Fame. He doesn't like being acknowledged at these things. So I don't think they were gonna do it when he was living. They would have done it after he passed away. But unfortunately, because of what has transpired, I think the only Vince McMahon we'll see in the WWE Hall of Fame is Vince McMahon Sr. 
unfortunately that seems to be the case and um you know it's uh, i think if anything he'll go in after his passing you know he uh after he's dead they might put him in quietly or in the legacy halls or whatever and it's uh it's sad it's like uh you know having uh you know baseball hall of fame the all-time hit leader the all-time home run leader and the all-time cy young uh leader they aren't in the hall of fame and it's just it's just it's just sad with uh what this has all come down to so to answer your question heel champions okay um, three guys I want to touch on, and you know, listen, Toto and Tom, he really, he, he's right. Uh, Rick Flair, greatest heel champion of all time. Uh, you know, Tom won a whole call without trashing anybody, without insulting anybody, without putting himself over, and he had one of his best calls. So, um, but uh, three guys. Number one, superstar Billy Graham. Okay, he, uh, you know, it was always a face champion. He came in, he was, uh, until, you know, for a while, he was the longest reigning heel champion of all time. And, you know, I think to his dying day, he thought he should have held that title instead of losing it to Backlund because he thinks he had more to give as champion and that it was a very good run. Number two, very underrated champion, and that is Yokozuna. Why? Simple. Nobody could beat him. Okay, wait. A great champion is somebody nobody could beat. Nobody yes. could beat him. Nobody could beat him. I Listen, I, I said this before. I was never the biggest Goldberg fan. Okay? Um, I didn't, I, there's just a lot that just rubbed me the wrong way. He was a great champion. Nobody could beat him. Okay? Um, and then the third one, and I'm shifting gears here, going in the Intercontinental title, okay, the Honky Tonk Man, okay? Honky Tonk Man, for two reasons. Number one, he was, at his time, when he was in that record-breaking run at the time, he was the top heel in wrestling, not just in the WWF, in wrestling. Continental champion is the top heel in wrestling. And keep in mind, the Intercontinental title, it's known as the workhorse title. Okay. He wasn't a workhorse. And he had a run that lasted 30 years. Okay. When you think of the guys that have held that title before and after, it's pretty impressive. What do you guys think? So, I'm look, as, as you were talking, I'm looking up the Honky Tonk Man. When he was the World Wrestling Federation Intercontinental Champion, his reign lasted 454 days. And I'm looking at the matches that he had. He defended that title, looks like, about 36 times during that time. And he, I mean, for, for a long time, he was the self-proclaimed greatest Intercontinental Champion of all time. And so, yeah, I mean... Was it more than just a gimmick? You're saying he, he's one of the greatest heel IC title holders ever, and I, I don't think we can argue. Tommy, what say you? Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. He, uh, he was a great heel champion. I, I think that, especially with Jimmy Hart and that whole character, 
he did a really, really, really great job as as a Hill champion. And like you said, at the top of the program, it doesn't have to be heavyweight champion. It can be intercontinental champion as well. So if, if that being said, he definitely has to be high up on the list as far as uh, best Hill champions go. And another guy I want to throw out there real quick also, even though he was never the WWF heavyweight champion or the intercontinental champion, he was the million dollar champion. He was so rich that he got to buy his own title, right? So how, 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 how big of a hill is that? That you have so much money, you don't even have to win a title. You just buy your own. No, that is, that is the ultimate heel move. I want to go back. The Honky Tonk Man, I said, had 36 title defenses. That was televised all together with house shows and different shows. It was 170 uh, title defenses, so much more than I gave him credit for. But, yeah, if you're a heel champion and you can't win a belt, just pay to, pay to have one made custom. Super heelish move. Yes, uh, that's a very good point. Yeah, go ahead, Tom. No, I'm good, man. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, listen, I've said to Ted DiBiase, greatest heel of all time, in, in my opinion. And it would have been interesting to see him hold the heavyweight title. Uh, listen, before I go, and I know we're, you know we're running close here, so I'll just say about you know what's going on right now. I said this last week. I said this even before the Rumble. You know, if they keep with, if they stay with what they've booked, it's a disgrace. Okay, you're basically saying all this time, nobody on the roster, this young, good, great talent in its prime, can't beat them. Meanwhile, a you know a, a 50 year old who hasn't wrestled in how long, he can beat him. And you know what? What bothers me about this is, well, first of all, listen. At the end of the day. They have done, Tommy, you have got to appreciate what they've done with this press conference. I think this press conference might be very well watched tonight, okay? Um, I think what, uh, you know, 20, thing is, 22 years ago, and again, Rock was the thing, 20, what, 20, 25 years ago? I mean, come on here. But 22 years ago, arguably the biggest thing in the history of the business Pass the torch to him, The Rock, on wrestling's biggest stage at WrestleMania 18, okay? And it's been enough years later when The Rock had the opportunity to do the same thing, to pass the torch to John Cena at, at, at WrestleMania. He didn't do that. He took the win over Cena. And now with Cody, you know, you saw Brock Lesnar raise Cody's hands, pass the torch. John Cena raised Cody's hand past the torch. And now here's The Rock taking Cody's spot. This so doesn't look look good. And I'll end with this interesting point. They're going with what they've booked, okay? Years ago on an AJPW show, okay, as the fans were going into the, the arena, there was Mitsuharu Misawa talk and signs and buzz everywhere 20 minutes before the show giant baba changes the book 20 minutes before the show because if he didn't all hell would break loose okay so that's i mean it's it's to have anything i don't know how the hell they're gonna do it but they might be pressured like they were with wrestlemania 31 
with Daniel Bryan to change the book. I mean, you know, give this a whirl and see what happens. But, uh, yeah, you, you can't do what, what, what you're going on. Well, what do you guys think about what I said? Well, I, I think, and maybe they don't do it anymore, but I know growing up, every time you would see a poster for an upcoming event, there was four words at the bottom of the poster, card subject to change. Subject. And so I think they, they reserve the right to change what they've advertised at any point. But let me ask you this, Firefighter Brian. You mentioned uh, earlier that it, it's not a good look if they substitute The Rock, who's in his 50s, and he beats Roman when Cody couldn't do it last year. If they move forward with a Rock versus Roman, do you think that, that they've got The Rock penciled in for the win? Or do you think Roman goes over The Rock? I would hope that, Christ, that Roman goes over The Rock. If The Rock wins, again, I think all hell is going to break loose. And I think the fans really need, God forbid, they stick with what they've booked after tonight. I think the fans really need to show their displeasure because it's the only way. And, you know, a couple weeks ago you had Bellini on saying, give the fans what they want, okay? And sometimes they don't do that. So I think, you know, you can't can't go through with it. Yeah, I think if they go through with it, I think, like, like Tommy pointed out, it's going to get booed out of the building. But if you go with it, I think Roman has to go over because you don't need the rock as a champion. You need Roman as a champion so that Cody completes his story against Roman. That's my opinion, but uh, I don't book. I just watch. Exactly. Same here. And I'll, uh, I'll, ju- I'll just end with, you know, before, you know, before the real shit hit the fan with this, the word was, you know, Rock, R- Roman, and then Cody, Seth, and then emerging at SummerSlam, which, listen, that it, us merging is long overdue. And let's not forget, Damian Priest is lurking with the Money in the Bank briefcase. So, listen, it's 10.58. I'm going to let you guys, you know, end the show and, and do your thing. And, hey, Tommy, to answer your question, my first concert, Jewel at Jones Beach in August of 97, the day after Princess Diana got killed. Hmm. So with that, gentlemen, <laughs> gentlemen I'm, only, I'm, only, I'm only laughing because I just, I literally just posted that right now on the Rock and Wrestling Collector's Facebook page. So anyone that doesn't know what the hell you were talking about, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Tommy, hey, let, let, let me just ask you guys, guys, for fun, what was your first concert, both of you? Uh, mine was Aerosmith. Mine, <laughs> listen, in the, in the, we've talked about the wrestling shows I'd get in my town. We are definitely in a town when it comes to talent. My first concert in my hometown was Weird Al Yankovic. Nice. Was, but he put on a I heck was, of a show. I'll, I'll tell you guys, he, I'm telling you, he needs to be the next Super Bowl halftime show. That would be nuts. I would love to see Weird Al. Completely so, uh, yeah, off Aerosmith. I'm sorry? Have you guys seen the Weird Al Yankovic movie that he put out, like a biopic of his life with the kid from Harry Potter? No, my God. No, is, I would like to. It is wildly entertaining. I recommend you guys watch okay. it. It is wildly entertaining. Okay, I will put that on my list. I'm sure my wife would love to see that, so I love Weird Al. <laughs> 
It so, goes so, so far as in the, in the movie, it suggests that Michael Jackson ripped off his song, Eat It, to make his hit beat it. That weird shit actually came first, according to his biopic, and it's just wildly entertaining. I loved it. That is, that is great. I, oh. I got to check that out. I'm a big fan. Like I said, he should be the Super Bowl halftime show, the hell with Usher. And um, with that, yeah, we got Aerosmith, Weird Al, and Jewel. Hey, guys, you were meant for me. <laughs> so with that, um, I w- uh, listen, great topic, great discussion, and um, I'll uh, hopefully uh, see you guys a week from today. Talk to you guys a week from today, okay? Sounds good, All Brian. Right, buddy, later, man. Much, brother. All right. All right, Tommy, there it is. Greatest heel champion of all time and a lot of talk about current product because whether we want to admit it or not, it has our attention and we're locked in. We might love what they're doing. We might disagree with what they're doing, but either way, we're tuning in. So I guess that's the point when it comes to the world of wrestling. Absolutely. And I I will say this, Jay. So we've been doing this for how long now? About two and a half years now, this, this podcast? Yeah, it's been one heck of a rain. We took we we went on the air about the time Roman captured his belt. Apparently, okay. So let, let, so since we've been doing it for that long, if we look back on the history of our podcast, I guarantee you, we can probably on two hands count how many times we talked more about the current product than the '80s That's product. Right. So that is a good thing. If we're talking about it. That means other people are talking about it, too. So I'm very curious to see how tonight pans out. I'm very curious to see what breaks from now to next Thursday. Chances are we probably will be talking a lot more about the current product between now and WrestleMania. And, and, and you know what? It seems like, Jay, all of our listeners still watch as well. So it, it, it mixes it up as well. While we are 80s wrestling podcast, while we talk about 80s wrestling, it does feel good to be able to talk about current stuff and have a platform to talk about what's going on right now. So the fact that we are talking about current stuff, in my opinion, is a good thing for their products. Not no, because they're absolutely... popular or anything like that. I'm saying yep. because we're talking about it when a year ago we really weren't talking about it, you know? You're absolutely right. Everybody talks about the wrestling business being uh, having highs and lows, and um, it feels like we were entering a boom period. We were all fearful that maybe the McMahon thing would derail that, but it looks like the pivoting that WWE is doing is at least keeping people's eyes on the product and not on other aspects of the industry. And so, yeah, I think it's, it's a good thing that it's got our attention that we're talking about it. And we got to remember the guys that are in the ring today, a lot of them were influenced by the guys that we talk about each and every week on eighties wrestling, the podcast. And so, it's it's kind of fun to see how the influence of what was is influencing what is. And so, yeah, I hope these conversations continue. Yeah, man. And listen, I hope that you and your uh, your wife have a fantastic weekend. I know the next time we'll be talking will be the day after Valentine's Day. So don't give me any plans right now, Jumpin' Jay. <laughs> We're going to make next week's episode a Valentine's Day party right here on 80s Wrestling the Podcast. We're going to find out what Jumpin' Jay did for his significant other on Valentine's Day. We're going to find out what I did on Valentine's Day, and maybe we'll talk about some heartthrobs from the 80s next week right here on 80s Wrestling the Podcast.